Yes, ladies and gents, welcome to the Film of the Year extravaganza. Film of the Year 2021 here on the Outside Centre Film Podcast. Uh, doing it with me, as always, is a Mr. Ben Woodiewicz, f- uh, filmmaker, director, producer, writer, and now published author. Check you out. But, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's been a dodgy year. I mean, we've been consistently saying that on this podcast for yeah, it's been an awful year. Um, yes, there's things happening in the world, of course there is, but I think me and Ben are, are mostly talking about things that have happened in our own lives. But we've reached this point, and as it tends to be often, uh, good years, bad years, and indifferent years, uh, the podcast has been a steady, solid, durable, safe haven um, for us. And when I look at this list, because one of these is going to win Film of the Year 2021, it's 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach, Pebbles, The Tale of the King Crab, The Blind Man Who Did Not Want to See Titanic, and Stop Zemlia. One of those is going to win. We, we took the decision to, for those five, our joint films of the month, uh, as there should be agreement on a film podcast, of course. Um, the fifth one, uh, we're calling it a lucky loser, but it's a not-so-lucky loser because it deserves its place, really. Um, that was uh, Tale, of the King, the Tale of the King Crab, which was your film of the month as well. So all of these have been film of the month at some point, um, and it was my second favourite that month. Uh, but actually, having watched it back, I'm not quite sure why it wasn't my film of the month at the time as well. Mood's a funny thing, but in fairness, the opening to, to Egyptian film Feathers was just... Like, what on earth is this? And uh, I can't record anything else about Feathers particularly, but the, that first 15 to 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, just blew my mind at the time. But um, no, Teller King Crab is very much, um, you know, a worthy a worthy place on this list. Um, so yeah, we're going we're to go through them one by one, basically. And then we've got some treats at the end. <laughs> You've heard us talk about them. It's the smoking rankings or the top three smoking scenes of 2021 coupled with the prop rankings of 2021. Now, prop rankings is obviously returning for a second year. Um, and last time it was a remote control flying whale. But actually, I said to my, I said to myself that I would not, under any circumstance, um, do a prop that didn't have any meaning for the plot, um, un- unlike that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the flying uh, Hungarian... Sorry, the Hungarian film Eden had the remote control flying whale in it. They meant nothing for the plot whatsoever. It was just a prop. My top three props have all got something to do with the plot. Um, so you've got that to look forward to very, very much. Anyway, so Ben, let's, we've got the films. So let's crack on with it, shall we? Um, and you're going to be starting off with our first entry on this film of the year 2021 list. Uh, Mexican film 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach. What is it, Ben? What is 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach? With a film title like that needs some explanation, really. It, d- it does, but to go, into, to go into too much might involve spoilers. Uh, I guess a little bit. Okay, so 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach is the first film from Jorge Cucci. It is a Mexican film about, about two teenagers, um, and they are playing a game called the Blue Whale Game. And... Uh, it is a game where you take challenges. The challenges are unpleasant, um, dangerous, scary, and they escalate. And there are 50 challenges that you have to take. And as the film progresses, we discover that number 50 is that you kill yourself. Um, also, what we discover as the film progresses is that the instructions for the challenges are coming from a kind of a, an unseen 
person, the the administrator. And uh, about a third of the way into the film, we discover that there is no administrator. The administrator is the girl. So we've got Elisa and Felix. And Elisa is the one who is coming up with the challenges and giving them to Felix. Um, 50 or Two Whales Meet on the Beach is a film that I've seen twice now, and I still don't know quite how I feel about it. Um, because it's a film about suicide and it's there's a there's a huge question mark hanging over this film for me the whole time which is is this film glamorizing suicide i mean that is the number one discussion point of this movie i think that's entirely fair yes and uh, as as luck would have it luck would have it i don't know as coincidence would have it um i rewatched this film shortly after falling down a wikipedia hole reading about the relationship between sid vicious and nancy spungen um, and their kind of murder-suicide pact that may or may not have existed. And uh, that that's what bounced me into the rewatch of this film. Um, so I had that kind of playing around in my head. Um, it's incredibly well made. It is, uh, stand, uh, it's head and shoulders, the best split-screen film of 2021, I think, I can say comfortably. Um, it introduces these two teenage characters to you who are different from how teenage characters are normally represented in films which i like you've got a slight have and have not in that elisa comes from a more middle class well-off background felix comes from a less comfortable background um felix is quite blank um he doesn't really have any interests he doesn't talk about much he's not really interested in anything apart from playing the blue whale challenge and getting to know elisa that's that's pretty much all he's got going on for him so he kind of tumbles into this suicide pact relationship with elisa uh jumps in with both feet elisa's motivations throughout the film are perhaps a little more shadowy um without getting into spoilers something happens in the last third of the film i thought a second viewing might cue me up to be kind of better informed about decisions that get made in the last third of the film Oh, I'm dancing around a topic here. Um, but they didn't, to be honest. I kind of, um, I watched it still unclear as to whether or not decisions they take in the last third of the film are true or not. I think in uh, in the films that we've got here, the, the final five, there's a few films which keep coming back to what is the truth in this world that we live in, where you're looking at things from one person's perspective all the time. And when you're looking at stuff from Elise from Felix's perspective, um, you don't necessarily know what the truth is or the wider truth around them is. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I still don't know. I, I, does it glamorize suicide? I don't know. Um, it's a very handsome film. It's a good-looking film. Um, Elisa and Felix are not in any way, I think, wish-fulfillment figures. I don't think anyone would necessarily want to be them. They're flawed human beings. Um, I don't know. How, how are you feeling about the 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 glamorizing question here i mean yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go on to that a little bit later because yeah it is the point okay. to discuss um and, yeah. and it will it, it will turn people off um but uh-huh. the performances are exceptional i mean there are simply there's no getting away from that that's non-negotiable the performances no. of elisa and felix are absolutely sublime um yeah. and the stuff going on in this film some of it is in your face and apparent, like, for example, the suicide and the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, they do not shy away from showing you some rather unpleasant scenes, Ben. I mean, that yeah. if you're not wincing when they're cutting the whales into it, into each other's arms, then mm-hmm. I applaud you for being a, a stronger man or woman than me because it's really unpleasant watch. Um, 
But there's lots of nuance and subtlety. And of course, there's going to be a theme of that because that would always appear in better films. Not, uh, nuance and subtlety is king, really. What are you showing me but not really showing me that I'm working out for myself? Mm. And I, mm. talking about motivations and stuff, those are really, really subtle. Um, mm. I, I think I have them. Um, but it's, it's also, you, you do have to kind of look for them and work for them. The film gives you crumbs. Um, for example, um, the you, you had this hula. Oh, yes, yes. The father figure is most definitely Elise's motivation. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting about the film's portrayal of this particular father figure is that he doesn't seem to be that much of a bad person, Ben. No, no, not at all. And then, and then you've got Felix's father figure, who, who is his father. Um, who we don't see is, at all. He, we see but, more his mother, correct? Yes, but they, but they have this one day out, right? That's they, right, yeah. They, they meet up, they, go, they have one day out. And Felix... So Elisa is perhaps looking for a father figure and she's, she's got this figure of her stepfather who she resents um, 100%. Felix is just kind of blank towards um, this off-screen father who turns up for, for one scene, kind of take him out for a day. And Felix doesn't seem to have any kind of positive or negative feelings at all about him, which is interesting as well. Yeah. He's j- completely blank all the way through. Yeah, I, I genuinely think the pair of them want to do this because they're bored. That uh-huh, comes across. Uh-huh. The, that comes across in this movie quite a lot. This is not Squid Game, ladies and gents. The challenges are not exciting. They are not particularly fun, but they no. are gruesome and they are yeah. difficult to watch, particularly later on when you, get, when you head past forty-seven. It starts off quite mild. Number forty-five yeah. is the first one, uh, and then it works its way up to fifty, which is the end. Well, we've got kind of there's it, they run from like shave off your eyebrows to stand on the edge of a building. Um, they you know they're they're kind of they're up and down and, 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 <laughs> on the on the awfulness scale. It, uh, but then it turns into a few about death. Um, yes, and, de- yes. And, and it happens. Um, yes. oh, you've mentioned how beautiful how, how beautifully made the film is. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, the side by side thing. Now I'm going to plead ignorance. Um, mm-hmm. I've not seen that many films that do side by side per se not like this okay um, okay is it a frequent thing because it doesn't feel frequent to me it's it's not that frequent i mean so split screen um if you're if you're going to have any kind of split screen stuff in a movie you're going to do it for one of two reasons you're either going to do the brian de palma thing which is you want to show more shots of the so like the end of carrie for example yeah where she's um, shutting the school gym hall, whatever it is. And, and so you've got a split screen, but it's every, everything is in the gym. So you're seeing this person, this bit, this bit. So it's a way of cramming more shots of a, of a, a thing happening into one, into a small time period. Or you've got this split screen, which is side-by-siding two things which are happening far away from each other, but which you presume are happening at the same time. So we get to see the existence of Felix and Elisa in different spaces, um, on different sides of the city, but at, here's here's what they're doing at the same time together. Um, that that's where I take the split screen of fifty to. It's here's what they're doing, same time, different places. Yeah, and it's great. It's really well executed. I remember first mm. time round thinking, oh, it's a little bit off here and there, but actually, second time round, n- mm. n- now that I knew it was coming, I was able to like recalibrate myself, um, yeah. and I was able to actually watch both things happening quite nicely at the same time. Um, and it does yes. have, it does work extremely well. Um, yes. One of them, one yeah. of them is, for example, on one of the split screen, and it's a film of two great halves for me. And the first half is where most of the of the of the side screen stuff happens because yeah. they haven't met yet. Not not unless yeah. they do a challenge or something. They haven't. They're not yeah. spending time with each other yet. Not in a relationship yet. 
Um, that yeah. will come, but it's not there yet. So there's a lot of split screen at the, in the early stages. There's one particularly where one of them is sort of going up the stairs and one of them's mm. at the dinner table. And then the one at the dinner table goes up the stairs as well. And then the other one's in the yeah. bedroom. But at that point, like, it's, a, it, it, it's perfect. Like, it's yeah. genuinely brilliant. And the dialogue is pretty, and the dialogue matches. Like, where have you been? Did you go to school? And yeah. it, it, it just it, works really, really, really well how they've done it. it. it it matches so well that the first time I saw this film, I thought that the split screen was the same place. Yes. I thought this was one person sitting downstairs, one person going upstairs. That's right. I mean, and then I was like, oh, no, right, two different people. Especially okay. as the interiors are quite similar as well between these two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but mm-hmm. going back to the nuance thing, there's what, one of the props that didn't make it. <laughs> you know, Wait, are you, are you talking about the hoopla no, no, didn't no, make no, it? What, there, are, there are so many props. Like, what is yeah. a prop? A prop is anything in a movie that isn't a human. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you're trying to put just the top three together, that is ridiculous. But um, the fly eaters. Yes. Yeah. Now, that that is literally the brightest thing, in the brightest as in colour, in this entire movie. And the only thing that Felix cares about. The only thing he cares about is feeding his mm. little fly traps. Mm. Um, and it just so happens to be one of the fewest bits of brightness, the fewest bits of green. And when, when, when mm. Challenge 48 happens regarding uh, going outside mm. um, again, but this time doing something a bit more um, extravagant, mm. <laughs> dancing around the subject, um, there, there is green. I actually I actually made sure that I didn't say something like, oh, there was only a bit of green in the film was a fly trap. No, no, no. There were, yeah. there were trees outside. But there is no doubt that both people are suffering from a lack of scenery and a lack of green yeah. in their lives. Um, yeah. And in fact, the, the fact that they met outside um, at night for the first time as well. So there's, there's just a lack of light, really, in, in this film, which is a good thing for, for us thematically. Not so great for the characters, Ben. Um, no. and, that's, uh, and that's definitely kind of something that they both suffer, suffer with, as well as that... just not been. And we'll come on to this um, uh. in our little Ukrainian school drama. But the <laughs> the inability to express yourself, Ben, that yes, is a thing that both so. of these characters in Fifty or Two Whales Meet on the Beach at the Beach, I should say, both of them do that constantly throughout the film. That's why they shave the eyebrows off because there's no point having eyebrows if you're not going to be able to express yourself with them. So there's lots of little nice things in this film. They're they're also living a life of routine as well. Like they're they're stuck in the routine of of schools and schools and parents have their routines, but then they have their own little routines as well. When they get back into their rooms, they just do the same thing every time. It's, it's um, either hoopla or it's fly trap. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or it's, or it's a little bit of, uh, is it whiskey, tequila? She has a drink of something. And then, yeah, they, they don't go down the alcoholic route, thank God. Because... No, no, she just has one and then that's it. And then he, he gets back and he has a cigarette leaning out the window. That's right. And I mean, I say thank God because it's kind of like, it doesn't feel like this is merely depression to me. No. That, and that's if it was an alcoholic related thing, you'd go, oh, one of them's got depression. And maybe both yeah. of them do. But actually, what yeah. I like about this film is that they don't really tackle that that much. It literally comes across as two bored teenagers. Yes. That, and yes. that is, re- is rather arresting to me. It's kind of like, well, what, why would you do that? You know, having, having, you know, kind of been around people that have kind of felt like that before and stuff. It's like, it doesn't really make any sense. But then, of course, this film makes makes it not make sense which is how it should be like the, it yes. shouldn't make sense why two young people will want to do this 
Absolutely, and it's this. It's not this film's job to be the the, the a pillar of morality no. on the topic of suicide because that that would be asking too much here. Um, suicide is uh, awful, and I think a lot of people don't have answers to it. So to create a film that doesn't even attempt to answer a question of why people would want to do this, or or even to be difficult to categorize as to be glamorizing or or not or positive or negative about the topic is is I think where this film should be. Yeah, but of course there's the problem because now we, now we yeah. have to briefly talk about is there glorification of suicide in this film? Um, mm. And having watched it twice now, mm. um, I do believe the answer is quite possibly yes. Mm. Mm. Because mm. It, it just, oh. I mean we're obviously not going to spoil anything further, but. You, I would find anyone um, who who wouldn't be able to agree with that statement regarding having seen this film. Like, it, it, I think it does. I think it really, really does. Okay, um, but then it's also it's a film's well, not it's not a film's job, but generally speaking, it's a film's job to present something good looking and well made to people. Yes. And so, if you're making a film about suicide, and then you present it as a good looking, well made piece of cinema, people are going to look at it and go, "Well, this is you know, this, this is polished. This is." Uh, you know, this is pro topic, but I'm still not 100 percent sure. I, I know what you're talking about, um, and but I really don't have an answer to it, and I, I don't I don't know if I should let it cloud my judgment of the entire film. No, no, much, oh no, but... absolutely not. It doesn't with me. Um, it's it's me an an interesting point. What came first, yeah. the, the suicidal thoughts or the love? I think we both know the answer to that. Yes, um, absolutely. They, yeah. they become entwined. So, who's glo- what is glorifying what basically? Um, uh-huh. Really interesting. Recommended. It's on the list for a but, reason. And didn't didn't you have some thoughts about the hoopla or the hula? I will be saving like, those. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. From we'll be back on those later. But yes, it's a. <clears throat> the, the the dramatic stuff in this movie is always really really well done. I mean, the stuff with the father figure of Elisa's mm. father figure that was a really mm. tense. What twenty minutes. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. With a lecture it, it, that, then, that then turned a bit sour of of Elise's behaviour, a lecture towards her. Um, boy, oh boy, that yeah. was gripping. That was that was the most <laughs> that, was, that was the most gripping stuff of the entire film. It was, um, yeah, no question. And then everything that happened after that was just a little bit more, um, yes, controversial. But mm-hmm. fifty or two whales meet on the beach. Um, the only Latin slash South American entrant on this list, and well done to it. So let's move on to our second entry which is Pebbles, which did the round at the film festivals throughout 2021, not just Rotterdam and the like. Um, it was well-received throughout 2021 mm. um, and was, Ben, the Indian Foreign Language Oscar nomination. Yes, so I've noticed. So, um, I mean, that in itself is an achievement. I mean, nothing would beat Film of the Year 2021 for Outside Centre Film Podcast, Ben. We know no, that. Of course not. No, no, no. Of course not. But no, no. as we know... The Indian film industry is an absolute behemoth. Mm. Um, north and south, entirely different. Uh, and this is representing the Tamil side and the southern side. Um, but yes, for it to win against all the other hundreds of nominations that no doubt would have been put forward, and for it to be unanimously decided that Pebbles would be the foreign language Oscar nomination for India in 2022... Um, literally kicking off in three months. We'll get more no bite. Well, in three months, time, we'll oh know what won. Uh, probably going to be flea. Uh, but um, anyway, anyway, no good stuff. So um, it didn't reach the semi-final stage, Ben, which is a shame. 
uh, in mm. that process, the Oscar process, Pebbles. But that isn't a problem. Because as we know, the Academy are biased and corrupt for that category, <sighs> foreign language category. Always have been, always will be. We know about that. It is. Yeah. Um, and I think either of us would be very, very surprised if we were to watch plenty, and we will watch plenty, of uh, mm. the Oscar foreign language films for, for next year. And uh, how many of them will actually be able to hold a candle to something like Kuzangal, otherwise known as Pebbles? It's mm. about a man called Ganapathy, who uh, he pulls his son Velu out of school so he can set off on a journey to get his wife back from his in-law's village. Uh, and he wants it, the father wants to use Velu as like the bait, really, to kind of guilt trip the wife to come back. Um, Velu, the son, he doesn't quite fancy going back on the bus with his dad, though, owing to an argument. Um, and he runs away into the distance and rips the bus tickets up, the return bus tickets, meaning father and son have to walk many, 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 mm-hmm. many miles back home. And the relationship between them both becomes tested in, surprisingly, quite extreme conditions. <laughs> um, and when you watch the film, you'll know what I mean. So, uh, Ben, this is, for me, technical filmmaking on a budget of an extremely high level, basically. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is some of the best camera work I've ever seen on the podcast in over seven years of this thing. Like yeah. When I consider the variety of panning shots, tracking shots, all of which are here, to kind of present a sense of scale and a sense of beauty. So you've got the scale of the journey that both the father and the son are taking, walking um, for, back to their village from this other village. You get the scale of that. You get the scale of India. But you also, mm-hmm. therefore, get the beauty of it all because I don't think many people know India for its mountains, its hills. No. But then this film literally is shot entirely in the mountains and the hills and in the very small villages. Um, so as much as anything else, it's a tourist board piece for India, which I'm very, very happy to report on, really. Um, I mean, you know, basically, you've got the beauty of that, you've got the scale of that, and in between all of that, in between the hills and the mountains, you've got two individuals, father and son, and the characterization of those that basically will forever remain unsurpassed for me for various different reasons. Mm. Sport for choice, really, for a moment of the film to talk about in depth. Um, oh, there's loads but um, what, so one that stands out for me is quite early on actually um, so we can learn about the relationship between the father and the son before actually anything kicks off so we, we learn about uh-huh. it pretty much from the outset really uh, they don't get on that well or rather the father just resents his son more than the other way around but that soon changes and then it swaps back um, but basically when they're standing at the bus stop and um, they're both kind of standing side by side with a huge gap looking in entirely yeah. the different uh, directions, waiting yes. for the same bus. Yeah. Just things like that. Little visual clues that no dialogue, just telling us, ooh, these two aren't maybe the best. <laughs> I haven't mm. got the best working relationship at the moment. Um, but, you know, watching the, watching this film for the second time, you do forget things that happened, obviously, the first time. Yes. And, yeah, and yeah. that was one particular scene that I had forgot, just like I'd forgotten about. Yes, the tracking shots of the father. We all know those. The film starts off with tracking shots of the father. So you can see Mm. his slightly aggressive, slightly drunken gait as he walks to go and pull his son out of school. What I completely forgot about, Ben, were the tracking shots of the son. Yes. When the son's walking out the uh, in-law's village empty-handed because um, she's not there. So the son can't bring his mum back to the the father. Um, They track the son walking. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the gate is identical. But yep. even throughout this film, you just you know that there's no real connection between father and son. 
that particular scene makes you think they are, are actually the same flesh and blood because they walk the same. Like mm-hmm. talk about nuance again. That's that is as much nuance as any paragraph of dialogue could ever give you for a film. You're just yes. constantly on this. Yeah. You're on this long journey with them, but even though it's a short film, you're learning so much about them. And again, talk about the length. It reconfirms my desire, Ben, that non-genre films need to be <laughs> not any longer than eighty minutes in length. I know seventy-five minutes. I don't know, I don't know how it fits everything in, but it does. But, it never ever feels rushed. No, it doesn't. Um, I, I mm. and what have we learned from this? We've learned about the Tamil-speaking parts of India. I've learned about yep. Tamil cinema and how this film is pretty much the soul of Indian cinema. You know, Bollywood, mm-hmm. Bollywood may be the fuel that keeps the car going, but yeah. it's Tamili cinema that's the music in the car, the comfy seats, you know, the vistas. It's the pleasant company that may be with you. You know, it, it's the stuff that makes the journey worthwhile. So, yes, nice. the Bollywood is the fuel, but the enjoyment of the journey is Tamil cinema. So, with the greatest mm. respect to the multi, multi, multi billion dollar industry that is Bollywood, Ben, I think this film shows both of us that Tamil cinema is where the true heart of Indian cinema is at this part of the world. Oh, that's nice. I can't follow that. Um, But what I can say, coming in with a second viewing, is that what I really love about Pebbles is, and I have to to tell a short story about this quickly, but is um, intention um, in how you make your film. So you you walk into the filmmaking process with the intention of, here's how we're going to do it, and here's how we're going to show our film. So to exemplify this, I went to the cinema years ago to see Childhood of a Leader, um, which I can't remember the name of the guy who made it, but it's great. And I came home and there was an X-Men movie on. And it struck me that it was, I think it was X-Men First Class. It struck me that the difference between Childhood of a Leader and X-Men First Class was the intention of how the film was shot. So Childhood of a Leader is very decidedly shot in this way, to show you something in this way. Whereas X-Men First Class is the Oliver Stone school of filmmaking, which is have 15 cameras covering something, have them all running at the same time, and then it will just form the film in the edit and then just cut between things, perhaps a bit randomly. Um, and Pebbles is full of intention. So like you were saying with the the tracking shot of the, the young boy going into the village and coming out of the village, that entire scene is covered in one take. So it's one long take that follows the boy, then follows this um, young woman around as she's getting food, it then goes back to the family, and then follows two women who have nothing to do with anything, who wander off talking about something, we then pick up the dad, he comes in. The whole thing is all done in one take, no no tricks, no cheating. Um, and that's how P.S. Finithraj wants that scene to be covered. He, he doesn't have any kind of get out card get out of jail card he's he's all in this must be done like this and throughout the film um there are various little things which just tell you that he's he's all in on this way of doing it here's how we're going to shoot it here's how we're going to act it here's how we cover a scene and here's that's what's going to be in the final film i even loved like i remembered in my head that this film started pow running with the dad kind of going as he going with him as he kind of walks through the village but that's not how it starts it starts off with these locked off shots of an indian village with the dad walking through um with that very very kind of identifiable gate that he's got and that kind of moving through the space in the way that he moves he's got a very kind of it's a very masculine male alpha walk 
And he's kind of owning the space that he moves through. So you've got like three shots of him walking from one place to another. He's walking through these shots and he's just kind of owning the space. And after we're introduced to him, the film then starts to own the space its own way by moving through the scenes in the same way that the dad does. It's a hell of a thing. Um, but then, like I was saying, it, it then gives time to other characters as well. So almost everyone in this film, it's got a kind of a John Cassavetes feel to it. You've not just got your main characters. Anyone in this film could become the main character for a moment, whether it's a lady on a bus or an old guy at a, a, a shop by the bus stop or like um, two people on a motorbike. Like anyone could become the star of this movie at any point. Um, we, it's got this kind we will, of... Go we will revisit that in our little Ukrainian school drama later. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know how it does, how it manages to tell its story so well, go so under the skin of not just the father and the son, but also under the skin of the mother, who never even appears in the goddamn film. Um, you kind of, you know so much about all these people, and the film never, ever feels rushed or hurried. It takes its time, it follows other people around, it just sits for a while and lets you watch day-to-day -day life. Um, there's also something I loved about it, was the fact that you... You, the whole time, I didn't notice this first time, the whole time the father is moving from one village to another and on the bus stuff, he's walking past women doing things. So th this whole kind of region of India, it's like it's kept running by all the women yeah. who go out and do the cooking and do the cleaning and get the water and catch food and stuff. And you never really see any men kind of doing anything constructive. All you ever see men doing is playing cards, smoking, drinking, and just tearing everything apart, and basically. <laughs> and walking, yeah. Um, and men just fight and sleep and drink and smoke. Um, and that, that uh, with no conclusion to be drawn from that. And it, it doesn't kind of underline that in any way. It's just, you know, it, like it, nuance. It's just there if you choose to see it. Um, it's a hell of a film. If, if I had to say, if I, if I had to say anything negative, and I, I don't even like the fact that I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it just so that people know, um, it's a cast of non-professional actors. And there are times at which you can kind of feel that it does it negatively affect the film. Not no. for me, to be honest, not at all. Um, but yeah, some of these people are, are not are actors. So some of their performances are um, uh, natural, basically, um, just like people. And I know, you know, there are some people who don't like that kind of thing. Um, I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I loved it. I, I just really loved the film. I just think it's really, really good. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who haven't seen uh, any Indian films, and I would very, very strongly recommend that this should be the first one they see. Absolutely, this this, 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 this is your normal film that not that us yeah. regular film folk can enjoy. It doesn't have to be singing, dancing every ten seconds, um, mm -hmm. and there's not none of that here, obviously. Um, yeah, talk about learning and stuff, and and if you talk about the previous film, Fifty Two Wells Meet on the Beach, um, mm. and how we think that glorifies potentially something. Um, mm. This film glorifies nothing. Then it shows India off yeah. as its best, that's or, or most beautiful, perhaps. But it certainly doesn't hide away from the fact you've got people eating rats. No, and it no, doesn't hide away from the fact that, as you say, women are doing everything. It doesn't hide away from yep. the fact that um, fathers hit their children. Yep, and call them the c word. That is going to, and I think it did upset the Academy, Ben. I, I just oh, wonder. Well, I mean, this is the thing. When, when I saw that, sorry, small rant. When I saw that Pebbles had been accepted for India's um, 
nomination for Academy Award, I was like, how fantastic, because the Academy is always choosing films that have a, a moral to tell you. Uh, you know, the, the, the Academy films are always basically be Lion-O from Thundercats, always be the good guy, never, never, ever do anything wrong. And I thought, how refreshing, because Pebbles doesn't, it's not like amoral. It, oh, no, it, it doesn't. It's natural. But, it, it, it's yeah. what happens at that part of the world, and it's, and it's accepted, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and it, but it, it doesn't have, uh, you know, a one tagline about, you know, be nice to people who are having a rough time. It, it doesn't have that kind of like that one sentence that's positive on it. It's, it's just life. And I thought, how, how fun that the Academy are considering a film like this, which is kind of grey and uh, doesn't have any kind of clear moral compass and lets you sit there and make up your own mind. And then what happens doesn't get through. No, nice one. Because, 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 because we, all have to be moral, <sighs> we, have, we all have to be moral and support Flea. Uh, and stuff, isn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it though? Isn't it? Anyway, that is Pebbles, and there's lots more we could talk about, but of course, we have other films to discuss. So, mm. let's move on we, to we, our we, third entrant then. Um, although it, maybe we should say Pebbles, like, why is it called Pebbles again? No spoilers, you find out at the end, and it's amazing. And, and you will find out at the end of the podcast as well. <laughs> hey, sorry, I, I'm not going to mention any more props, no, I'm going to stay away from all these. Plenty of okay. props to be done, right. Um, this is the lucky loser, but not so lucky because it, it deserves its place, as we've said. Ben, what have we got with Tale of the King Crab? The Tale of King Crab is an Italian film from Alessio Rigo de Righi. Uh, I'm sorry for slaughtering your name, and Matteo Zoppis. Um, it is a film which takes place in two different time periods, now and then. So we come into the film with uh, a bunch of old men in a, a bar. And they're telling stories while well, they're singing songs, which then lead into stories, which then lead into a flashback, which then bring us back to the men and then back to the past again for a flashback. Ostensibly, it's the story of, what's his name? Luciano. Yeah. Um, who is a figure that these men in the bar are talking about. And they talk about uh, a time when he was in Italy. So Luciano is a drunk. He is an aristocrat. He is a he is a beggar. He is a a, a pauper. He's he's everything. He's a he's a dancing man. He comes back to his hometown um, after being away for some time. He comes back bearded, loving a bit of booze, and he gets into a kind of fracas with the local lord over a door which has been built, um, blocking a path which should be a public public pathway. Um, and he has a kind of he has a tete a tete with the landowner. Um, also a bit of a, a kind of a nurturing relationship with this lady but really what was interesting to me second viewing first half of the movie is that the Italian men in the bar who are singing the song and, and telling the tale the the story of Luciano that they know isn't the story that we're watching which I thought was kind of interesting because they get to the end of the story so why do oh we, no one knows where do oh, oh, oh. Um, but we know all the answers to everything because we just watch the story. So we know uh, that Luciano was taken into the woods. We know that the the, the daughter that he was he, he, he was perhaps wooing was taken away by guards and stuff. We know we know all the truth yeah. that these men don't know. Which I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. So so they tell their so they're having a sing song, telling their story. We see the real story. Um, it goes on for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and then it stops. And the men are like, well, well, no one will ever know the truth. No one knows where Luciano went. No one knows anything. And then we see what happened next. 
Um, and again, it brings me back to the thing of where where is the truth in this in this crazy mixed up world that we live in? So for these Italian men, they don't know where the truth is in this story, but we're being shown the truth as as crazy and weird as it is. So so that's everything in a kind of a, a macro nutshell. In a micro nutshell, it's the story of Luciano in his hometown in Italy, um, where he's a kind of he's a kind of a man with no ties to anything who doesn't kind of he doesn't go all in on anything he just kind of ambles around the town like he's got this perhaps relationship with this woman but he never really goes in on it he never really goes in on anything um and then he is shot and uh the woman we're not sure what happens to the woman but it's nothing good um and then he burns down the door and then we cut to the second half of the movie, which is Luciano in Tierra del Fuego. Yeah. And uh, 2021, a film of two films shot in Tierra del Fuego. Oh, spoiled for choice. <laughs> um, and then the second half of the film is something very different. It's Luciano. The first, in the first half of the film, Luciano was uh, a twig in the stream being carried from one place to the other in the second half of the movie luciano is making decisions he's he is the the captain of his ship he's he's going places where he wants to go he's doing things he wants to do um and it's a very different second half uh this is an incredibly handsome film i know i said that before but i stand by it it's it's very very good looking Um, it's also, I think I said this before, but I'll say it again. It is the, uh, the, the heir to Werner Herzog that some of us may have been waiting for. Yes. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not just like, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's a period film. So it's Werner Herzog. No, it's, um, it's made like a Herzog film. They, they use field recordings a lot. Yeah. So there's a, like Italian um, celebration events taking place and you've got field recordings of Italian celebration events, which I'm pretty sure are not just actors. They, they sound like real recordings. And then the, the music also sounds like, what's his name? Popolver. Um, they, they're kind of hitting those notes. And to the extent in the second half of the film, there's a place called Aguaya. If, if, any, if, if, if proof were needed, there's a place called Aguaya in this movie. <laughs> which is, of course, Aguirre, the Herzog movie. I don't know how much plainer these two can make it, that they are, they are the, the, the heirs to the Herzog estate. Um, this is a very, it's a very handsome film. It's uh, compelling. Um, I really, really love the second half. Really picks up for me. Um, the kind of dreamy aspects of the film as well, kind of. Oh yes, I'm glad you called that up. Actually, they yeah. put a sort of a hazy filter on the whole thing, particularly the first yes. part, don't they? Yes, and then the way that that the way that this film can kind of step from one time period to another, yeah. from one place to another, it can just do it with a cut, um, which which isn't easy to do. But we can just have characters from one point of the film just cut to characters from another point of the film, and everything. You know, it's got this kind of dream logic to it in a way. So, well, me and you have often diff- complained that we don't understand the era of a film, or we get lost when there's two different eras. Well, it's not happened here yeah. at all. We know, you no. know, where you are, both parts. Yes, and you really between. do. Yeah, yes, and um, yeah, and I just love it. If, if if I have to say something negative about it, and I will, um, it is perhaps that the tale of King Crab doesn't have a beating heart. Which I was thinking about this. Go go back to Herzog's films. Where's the where's the heart in Herzog's film? Where's where's the emotion right. there? 
uh, okay, fine, right. It's not really there. Good, good point. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not a deal breaker at all. But if it, when uh, I think a lot of people would look at this film and go, and they they would see some kind of romance in the time period that the film is covering, and then they would feel a kind of lack of emotion in this film and go, well, this is not how it should be. But I think this is exactly how they wanted it to be. They're just not very interested in being romantic and emotional and getting you to really necessarily care about people. I don't know if you really care about the people that you're watching in this film. I mean, maybe Luciano, just because you've watched him for so goddamn long. Um, but, But yeah, it's not, it's not a kind of, it's not a Steven Spielberg sentiment, emotional manipulation film whatsoever. And thank God for that. True, 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 true. So yeah, I, I love it. It's it's an odd bird. Um, it's an odd duck, and it's got some great crab action in the second half of the movie. And I love the uh, the golden props as well. Big fan. Indeed. Yeah. For me, this is this is an, ex- an exquisite film. Then actually, mm. Uh, and mm. I, I actually loved it twice as much second time around. Um, and and I, again, I'm, I'm if I'm ever going to admit to a mistake on this thing. This would be my second ever mistake not giving this film of the month. But hey, it's on the list anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. No it's harm done. Pretty much bang on one hour 40, and I wouldn't have had a single scene removed from this film then. Like, I wouldn't have wanted anything added either. Like, as you say, beautifully shot film. Uh, it's just one of the most stunning films of the last, I don't know. I don't, I don't care that it's all artificially done. You can guarantee you can guarantee that the scenery and everything is, is real. You know, Tierra del Fuego. Well, you can't artificially do a Tierra del Fuego. That is the place, no. and you can tell the Italian countryside is the Italian, and whatever else. That's and, and all the buildings are there. That's fine. But there is a haze in the filter, and the colours are a little bit amended. I don't give a mm. shit to be honest with you, Ben, because it looks mm. beautiful. And the first mm. part of the film is basically a, an homage to classic Italian cinema. They were all filmed in places like that. And nearly all of them were more melodramatic and romantic than, than this one became, thank God. Yeah. This one kind of st- keeps it on the Herzog thing, as you say. The second one is a good old-fashioned treasure hunt, Ben. Mm. Mm. I, when was the last time there was a genuinely good old-fashioned treasure hunt in a movie? Like, not since the Goonies, not exactly. to be honest. Like, <laughs> this is just fantastic. Like, see, I'm, yeah. You're homaging an entire country's history of cinema in part one. Then you're homaging an entire genre of treasure hunt movies that haven't been for about 30 years. So this is yeah. just like an absolute joy. Um, yeah. the, the film is full of newbies, Ben. That needs to be said as well. Gabriele Sili, uh, first-time performer. He's Luciano, yeah. and he's very bloody good, by the way. He's very he's very good. I did not know this was his he, first he, film. He, first That's... ever performance in anything. I mean, please. Bloody I mean, hell. in fairness, as you say, he, first part is a bit of a twig, and he just floats on the stream. But you've still got to mm. act that, uh, and and he does it really well. So there's there's like there are some inconsequential bits, like you know the bit where he it's a hot day and he walks over to it's not a river. There's like some water, yeah, like a brook, if anything. Yeah, yeah, and he and he just climbs in drunkenly, stomp, 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 takes all his clothes off, and there's a lady downstream washing her clothes. And the kind of back and forth between the lady looking at him and him kind of looking back. He's he's starkers by this point. It's just a really fun moment. Um, it doesn't feel like anyone's first performance at all. It feels like a, someone who's a master of their craft. Well, exactly. I mean, to the, be the way that he deals with the guards when they've been drinking, yes. the way that he'll be, his, yes. the way that he acts his own drunkenness is absolutely not over the top. No. And for an Italian film, no. that's extraordinary because mm. between them and the Japanese, they do hysteria and, and drunk drunkenness like more wildly than anyone. 
Um, yeah. Here, it's just like he's fully compute. He's yeah. His, his modus operandi is okay. He's able to string words together. Um, yeah. Even, and the violent stuff's not overdone. The drinking isn't overdone. Like it's just an amazed to see that he's never been any anything before. But Ben, equally, uh-huh. you mentioned the two directors there. They've only uh-huh. before this film ever directed shorts, documentaries, or something called a documentary short. Okay. So this this is their first ever feature film. Please, please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 to, to some extent, it could be two shorts sewn together, but that's not necessarily a negative. No, absolutely not. Um, as mm. I said, visually arresting film, and you've mentioned you've mentioned the the, the recordings of sounds and things. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Very sonically stimulating as well. There's yeah. lots of like evocative Italian singing, which is obviously recorded, um, but there's there's lots of like bird song. Yes. Um, yeah. There's there's loads of this kind of field recording stuff done. Like I I think um, sound often is the kind of the missing child in a film, and the, what these two guys have done is they've they've obviously gone and just just record everything in different places. I reckon some of these recordings aren't even done around the production of the film. I think some of these recordings are them in pre-production perhaps looking for locations seeing people doing things and recording some of it and then ending up using those recordings in the film i would guess indeed so it's a gentle film mm. it's a it's a it's a gen it's a peaceful film as well despite the fact that there's some yeah. conflict and the gunfight is fun uh very very underwhelming you would think but it's quite fun um, yeah, and- but it, but it, it's not played out like when you have a gun, the big shootout at the end of a movie. It's it, it's shot in a particular way, and this is not shot like that at all. It's kind of like the anti-climactic gunfight, and yet somehow it also manages to be edge of edge of your seat and very entertaining. Very much so. Um, and Ben, I think yeah. we spend most of the year um, as we mm. meet up once a month. At some point, we'll say, "Oh, it's a pleasant little Sunday afternoon film." Pat it on the yes. head, goodbye, and whatever. Yes. This is yeah. this is a film where that phrase Sunday afternoon is actually not a criticism. I can think of nothing better than to watch something like Taylor of the King Crab on a Sunday afternoon where you can actually be engaged with the film and have your dinner in the oven at the same time. You don't have to yeah. have them as separate things. You don't pause the film, attend the rice potatoes, then go back to the film. No, I would, I would recommend not pausing this film no, because I, I think if it, although it feels like nothing is really happening, um, missing the odd bit here and there, um, is 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 disastrous. I think the first time I watched this, I missed a few bits here and there, and I didn't catch on to the fact that um, with that second half of the movie, because I think I was talking about is this Luciano? We don't know. No, no, we do. It's, this is very <laughs> much Luciano. Ben, what are you talking about? Um, I think I missed like one shot or one line of dialogue, and from that moment on, I thought, "Ooh, vague. Ooh, we're not, we're not, we're not clear." But no, we are. So yeah, um, although this is this is slow not not in a bad way um i wouldn't step out of the room to make a cup of tea no very much not you can have sunday afternoons where you don't leave your flat or or house this is one of them watch this film uh under two hours job done look just just splendid right film number four the blind man who did not want to see titanic and by the way ben we have to say at this point and we should say it at this point because we should say it early really two elephants in the room really with this entire list first of all all of these are my picks of choice again um, but I think we're used to that. It's not really an elephant in the room anymore. Is it's, it, really? fine. it's fine. It's fine. We're used to it. It's it's always been that yeah. way. I just happen to have a better taste in films. Number two, <laughs> number two, film titles. Uh, yeah, we've, we've we've often mentioned 
jokingly, oh, well, if you have an interesting film title, you've got a half chance. Look at this list. I mean, yeah. who calls a film the blind man who did not want to see Titanic? Yeah. Well, I, can t- I, I, I find it interesting that the tale of King Crab, that in Italian, it's just called Regrancio. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah it, King Crab. It's, ju- it's just called King yeah. Crab, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, but so yeah, but so ladies and gents, your filmmaker as well, Ben. Benny Lo- Benny Benny mm. Loves Killing, decent title. Killing, oh. yeah. Thank you very much. Filmmakers, if you listen to this, you've got half a chance of us actually watching your film. We might not like it, but we've got half a chance yeah. of us watching it if you've got a film title as interesting as these five. That's just a simple fact. Yeah. I mean how, I think how, how, film title How can I not want to watch a film called The Blind Man Who Did Not Want to See Titanic and then find out it was finished? Come on. Of course, it's true. It's true. I think the, the film titles go through fashion periods, like um, like band names and whether bands have <laughs> the at the front of their name or not. Um, I got into over this Christmas period. I got into watching a lot of seventies Czech films, and I've learned that a lot of seventies Czech films start with the uh, the word how, um, which which I thought, what? Well, why are there so many of these? It's just kind of weird. Um, but obviously, in the seventies, they went through a period of doing that. Indeed. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. Here we are then. So, the most unfinished title ever, or then again, the most finished title ever. The blind man who did not yeah. want to see Titanic. Yako is blind. He has MS as well. He needs regular care and attention, but has developed a relationship with a woman named Surpa elsewhere in yeah. Finland, who herself is fighting a cancer battle. Anyway, after speaking to her on the phone uh, more than several times throughout the years, you can tell, one particular time, um, she reveals that she will have to undergo more severe treatment, which is not good news for her. And that, coupled with the fact that Yarko wins big on a gambling game on a gambling game on his phone, Yarko decides that now is the time to take matters into his own hands as much as possible and get himself over to meet Serpa for the first time before it is too late for either of them. So the question is, will Yarko ever get to meet his sweetheart on what will inevitably be a perilous journey for a blind, MS-suffering, wheelchaired person, Ben. Mm-hmm. As last time, Ben, when we talked about this film, and for this time we're going to talk about this film, the number one thing mm. we have to start off with is the humour. Mm. Then the film references. Mm. Every single film ever made has to start off well. That's just a non-negotiable fact. Every film, whatever the genre, it's got a good half an hour to draw you into its stuff. That could be done in a variety of ways. It could be done with a piece of music. It could be done with something visual, perhaps a piece of heightened drama, perhaps the ending might be at the beginning, whatever. Or in Hanukkah's case, no drama at the beginning at all, whatever. This film has a particular set of challenges to rise above as well on account that the film wants you to see the world in a sort of disabled bent. So everything is a little out of focus and stuff. In much the same way that Yarko doesn't see a great deal of his world, we as the audience don't see much of his world either. So you can rule out the visual element of being something that we can get behind to draw us into this film within the first 30 minutes. So what instead this film decides to do is to make it funny as Fook. And boy, oh boy, Ben, how well does it do it? Mm, mm, it's very funny. <laughs> Terribly funny. I mean, it's, it's the, these are genuine laughs. And yep. with genuine laughs yep. as well, a lot of the genuine laughs are from the movie talk in this movie because Yarko is a huge mil- movie fan, particularly of John Carpenter. Now, I actually lost count, Ben, but I, I think I almost hit a dozen movie film references within the first 15 or 20 <sighs> minutes. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. It may be even more than that, as I say, because I lost count. The film doesn't move away from the movies, nor does the film move away from humour. And for a running time of something like 80, 90 minutes, you'd think you'd get sick of the humour or you'd get sick of the, you know, the jokes that wouldn't dry or the movie talk would just get a bit corny. Oh, no, it doesn't. It continues at a good, steady, quality pace all the way through to the end. Because it's really important the film does that, Ben, because Yarko has got nothing else in his life, apart mm-hmm. from his memories of when he was able to watch films and his own sense of humour, to his own kind of self, self-deprecating humour, and Sirpa. So it's really, really important that those three things stay as a constant in this film. Those three things, Sirpa, self-deprecating humour, and movie knowledge, those three things are the core of this film, and they have to stay there, and they do thankfully stay there all the way through. Um, and what can I say? It's It's a film of absolute beauty, but simplistic beauty. And it's a beautifully simple film. And speaking of mm-hmm. speaking of beauty, the ending is perfect. That was my number yeah. one concern when I first watched this film. Uh, obviously, they were allayed because I knew how it ended the second time around. But my number one worry for anyone that anyone should have when you watch a film like this is, oh god, it's not going to be a sentimental load of claptrap at the end, is it? No, it's just absolutely genuine perfection at the end of this movie. Um, they could have ended this film. 50 different ways. And boy, have I seen Finnish cinema end their films in the 49 other ways, (laughs) particularly when they head towards the romantic thing. But this is just straight down the line perfection. Mm. Um, Another round missed out on this list, Ben. Uh, Very enjoyable film. Don't get me wrong. But for me, this is the Scandinavian film of the year. Um, With the potential, of course, being on this list of winning something even bigger. Uh, And, and, you know, it's it's there pretty much. Um, Really... Beautifully simple and simply beautiful. So yeah, this this uh, is just really good. Out of these five films, this is probably the most enjoyable one. I think the the one that you could like comfortably recommend to almost anyone, um, and they would enjoy it. It's it's just a really really fun film, um, despite the fact that sometimes it's not always one hundred percent fun. It can be a bit stressful and tense. A lot of this film is stressful and tense. Yes, very much. Um, but and yet, I think that's why the humour is necessary. Because even when this film is on a knife edge, where anything could happen, and literally you're, a knife you're edge. literally a knife edge at times, you're on the edge of your seat, um, and yet the the jokes still keep coming, um, and it's necessary. I think um, second viewing of this film revealed to me that this film is very much a film of that central performance from Petri Polkalainen. Yep. As Yako, um, you're watching him for pretty much the entire film, and he needs to carry the film all the way along. He needs to carry you from emotion to emotion, moment to moment. He needs to keep the plot going. He needs to tell you stuff without saying anything. Uh, he, he, he never misses a beat. He's astonishing. Um, you, you never tire of what he can do with his face at different Absolutely, times. Absolutely, yes. Um, yes. You, you just grow very, very... Well, I grew very, very fond of him as the film went on. Uh, you grow fond of him very quickly as well. Um, it's a film of that central performance and going back to Pebbles, it's a film of intention. Um, they have decided we're going to cover this film like this and they cover it like that for the entire film. So it is a film made entirely of close-ups um, of... Uh, Yako or from Yako's perspective a little bit you can rarely see further away than one foot 
without everything blurring. I, I think for for tech geeks out there, I think they might be using a lens baby or some kind of post effect that looks like a lens. Yeah, baby. very much so. I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, and but it's also a film of the the forgotten child of cinema, the sound mix. Um, the sound mix is really, really something because you can you can make how to, how to say this. So you can, if you want, you can get one person and you can strap a camera to their face and have them run around for a few days and then cut together your, your movie. You'll have shots of someone in the world that we all know. But what the filmmakers here do is they create Yakko's world around him. So you the world around Yakko is not the world that we all live in. It's the world that Yakko yeah. lives in. Yeah. It's it's a it's a blurry, indistinct world, and that goes for the sound mix as well. The sound is very odd. Um, even even when it's completely normal, uh, the voices sound kind of funny, heightened. Yeah. Or I, I don't I don't know how to explain it. Go and see the film and let me know what you would call it. The 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 sound. It's like you're in a kind of like a snow globe of Yakko's world. Um, you're kind of trapped inside it with him for the whole thing. And nine times out of 10, that would be a very unpleasant experience. For someone make it, this would be like, what was it? Jesus Christ, he gone? That, that other film that yep. I didn't like, but I keep talking about. <laughs> um, it, it was n- it, not a fun experience. And a film about someone who is blind and suffering from multiple sclerosis and is trapped in a wheelchair done by other people might be a very kind of bleak difficult experience but this is not this is this is uplifting somehow um despite the fact that there is <laughs> there really is no hope for yakko in his situation um he, it's just going to get worse and you know that and he knows that and yet this is a really fun film um it's it transports you to yakko's world completely uh and yeah it's just incredibly fun and entertaining i yeah amazing and um his phone is a hell of a hell of a thing am i talking about props i should mention we're gonna leave him and well potentially but potentially not who knows oh okay everything that isn't a person is a prop um but the the, the, the phone is critical it blew my mind Mm. first and second time what he's able to do just with Mm. his voice on the phone yes we've got alexa and siri now to do things for us but he literally runs his entire life by the phone and it's yeah. incredible. The sound is interesting. Yeah, I picked that up second time around more more than I did first time as well, because obviously him being blind, he's not got that much. And touch isn't important to him. The number yeah. one thing for him is sound. Um, yeah. So the, the echo becomes important when he when he loses his phone. He, he needs to be able to obviously hear where and it, and it just heightens all of the sound. Obviously, because that's what happens. You know, the, the sound becomes heightened. It becomes the 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 only thing you've got really to get your bearings and stuff. And, the, and the, there's a little bit of cane action, the old, um, you know, the old uh, cane to kind of ascertain where you are and stuff. That happens a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You need all yeah. that stuff, obviously, because he's disabled. He needs all that anyway. But yeah, the sound yeah. of that is there, the cane and everything like that. And then, and then you get like every every time he, every time things become extremely difficult for him, like when, when he falls out of his chair early on in the film, he's trying to reach his phone and he falls. Um, and then the, the sound goes completely muffled and echoey and the sound mix is kind of used to represent Yakko's state as well. So if, if the, the worse Yakko is, the more difficult right. the sound becomes yep. as well. They, they've really, really thought about it. It works so well. And it's not corny. Um, it's not sentimental. No, not at all. Um, not at all. And I love the ending. The ending is so good. 
Um, I got chills this time when the oh, ending I happened. I, agree. I was so happy. Yeah, and me. Yeah. Um, but actually, one another thing, the final thing I want to say, really, it, uh, mm. we talked about how I want more films to be mentioned in other films. Um, yeah. that, that that stands, I think, just about. But one thing I didn't realize this time around, Ben, is that actually the, the, this entire film is another movie. Like the, when he gets into the ta- Ooh, when on. he gets into the taxi for the first time, um, yeah. and he wants the windows open, and he's shouting freedom. That's a movie. Yes. Where, and and yes. the music that the radio, that the, the taxi driver puts up loud is some sort of a Western tune. It's definitely yep. a Western music style. It's definitely deserts and stuff. So that's the movie. So, so, he, so he's going into a movie. Him, as soon as he leaves way, his... Yeah, the only way he can cope is by yeah. turning this journey, this perilous journey he has to do into a movie. Into, to support that, whenever he's asked what people look like, he always tells them who the the, the film actor or Correct. the film character yeah. that he's that he's given people. His, so his ability or his attempt to outwit the bad guys—that's a movie. But then, but then conversely, like so, you get a lot of like Quentin Tarantino. We all know and love Quentin Tarantino. He uh, makes films. Look, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he makes films which are inspired by that. He's making mixtapes of other movies, basically. I mean, he's he's taken this bit from this movie, this bit from this movie, and making a, a mixtape of putting them all together. So in this film, you've got a character who just talks about movies all the time, uses them as a reference point for people that he's meeting in life, and yet the product, the film we're watching, which shows all this, doesn't look like any movie you've ever seen no, ever. No. And it in no way is trying to look like a, an established film um, format. It's, it's completely doing its own thing. It doesn't have any interest in covering things the way a film should cover a scene. Um, so that's interesting as well. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, yeah. a dog rescuing a stricken man. That's the movie. Uh, oh, yeah. So lots yeah, yeah. of little moments at the beginning, the middle, and the end where, oh, that's a movie. Um, so, that archetypal yeah. movie. Yeah, I like this. So that that was just a little bit mind blowing for me, really, um, which is why mm. which is why any film that makes it onto this list, it's a, it's a reward, so we can actually learn even more. Because when you watch anything once, it's it's you know, a lot of it's instinct, a lot of it's you know, kind of heart and stuff. But the second time mm. round is when you actually really start to go, right, what else is happening here? Because now 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 you're surrounded by more <coughs> quality, and you need to stand out yes. from the crowd. And yeah, all, of the, all really, the stuff we mentioned, it, it makes it stand out from the crowd. It really, 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 it really does. Um, Robert Altman said that no one has seen a film after you've seen a film for one time, because when you see a film for the first time, you're so wrapped up in the what is happening that you don't pay attention to the how it's being done. He thought that you'd no one has seen a film unless you've seen it twice, because you need to get all of the what is happening out of the way so that you can watch it again and go, how are they achieving what they're achieving here. yeah you need to you need to watch what they're doing not just what's happening to the characters final film time ben our fifth nomination stop, stop zemli from <clears throat> ukraine what have we got with one of the weirdest film titles we've ever seen stop yeah stop zemli a second viewing did not inform me on why it's called stop zemli it's fine i don't care stop zemli is the first feature from katagina gornostai um and it is a film about ukrainian teenagers at school peace out that's the end of my introduction <laughs> um it is but you uh, too if you're uh, if you're over the age of 21 and you've been through secondary education, college, or university, you too yeah. can find a connection with any Ukrainian yeah. teenager. Yeah. I, 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 this is, it was my take home from this film from the first viewing. It's, it's my take home from the second viewing as well. We are locked into this 
current existence where we're constantly looking to set one group of people against another group of people. Generations are the typical one. So everyone against boomers. Boomers killed the housing market and, and millennials and their avocado toast and Generation Z and their inability to answer a telephone. Everyone is is being kind of like ferried into these kind of hate canals against each other. And what Stop Zemlia teaches me is that we're all the same. Um, we all go through the same experiences. We're just experiencing them at different times and we're at different positions on this continuum of life. But what we go through at different stages of life are all the same. So I see myself in the teenagers in Stop Zemlia. I see my children in the teenagers in Stop Zemlia. I'm sure there are other people in those teenagers as well. You, person listening, are in uh, one of the teenagers in Stop Zemlia. Because they're all of us. Um, it's a delightful slice of life of um, all the different types of people that you get. And they're all at this point where they are... I mean, they're not 100% happy, but they're kind of, you know, they're, they're free of responsibilities. They're, 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 they're given space and time to kind of do what they want to do. They don't really know what they want to do. They kind of amble around. They go to parties. They, um, they muck about. They take photos. Um, they're just like, they, they're just you and me. They're just people kind of finding themselves. Um, if, if I have to make a criticism of this film, and I will. And you haven't, you've been consistent and, pretty much all the way through. I sure have. Um, it's that perhaps this film is a little bittier than The Blind Man, Telekin Crab, Pebbles and 50. Perhaps with the, the previous four films, there is, there is a pathway that we need to go down and we cannot deviate from it. With Stop Zemlia, you could take certain scenes and shift them around and that wouldn't really affect the end result of the no. film. It doesn't really matter what order things come in that much, apart from the, the graduation dance at the end. Everything else can be kind of shifted about, doesn't really make much of a difference. But then that's kind of the lives that teenagers live anyway. They are kind of bitty, and they, aren't, they, they don't have a grand arc to them. Stop Assembly doesn't have a grand story to it. It's just teenagers scanning time. And kind of finding out who they are a little bit, and it, it's it's freaking delightful. I really, really love this film. Um, lighting wise, it does something which the other four films don't do, which I will mention. It has a very good use of practical light, which <laughs> is lights which are in the scene. Yeah. They're they're yeah. part of the scene. So everywhere you go, the the well, not everywhere, but a lot of the places have this kind of cool lighting setup, which en ends up becoming the cool lighting setup of the film. Uh, it's very well done. Um, it's it, sure you see neon lights a lot in movies these days, and you know, but this this does it well, really does. Um, and it also gives time and space to lots of different types of people, not just like kind of um, emotionally different types, but socio political different types as well. You get to look into the lives of it's it's not just rich kids, it's not just poor kids, it's everyone on this spectrum basically um you also I, I missed this first time but one of the key characters of oh, senya um it doesn't appear to be ukrainian either i didn't i didn't spot this first time i watched the film at all so i was probably looking away or making a cup of tea for a second um but yeah it's just a, it's just a delight it's really really fun it's the kind of film that i think any teenagers should watch with their parents 
Um, everyone should kind of watch together. Everyone should understand that we're, you know, we are all the same. We go through the same things. We feel this. We feel the same things. And we should try and maintain our emotional connections to the person that we were at different stages of our life. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Yeah, um, you yeah. you learn about this film within three minutes and forty five minutes, basically three minutes forty five seconds. Um, okay. You learn about the fact that Masha badminton is her vice; it's her thing to escape. But escape from what? Mental health issues. Mm. That's the movie. Oh, before that, before that's the movie. Um, cut to a a human biology class where they are being lectured about stress and mental health and what it does to the body. Every time we, every time there is a lecture in the school, it is science and it is biological imperatives. Going through body changes things, and stress. Things, but yep. but things which are always true. Yep. So, like the, these, these, it's it's not um, it's not English where you can choose to understand a poem in one way or another. It's science yep. stuff. These things don't deviate. You lot are having this stress, and this is what it's doing to you. Like it's just mm. extraordinary. And that's the film for one hour fifty, two hours. That's yep. the film. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's just a hell of a thing. It's just a hell yeah. of a thing. Um, piano as well has got a big part to play in this. Not just the music, yeah. part, but hey, how can you have a Ukrainian film and not have piano in it? So that's and they they play it so well. They do. <laughs> they do. They've, got, they've all got to pass the music exam thing, and they've all got to play yeah. this rather complex piece of music. But my number one take from this entire thing, Ben, everything you said is yeah. correct, as particularly with regards to you can identify with literally. One person in this film, and 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 that's what the film's there to do. Like as I said, if you're 21 years old plus, if you're male, female, whatever you want to be, if you've ever been to secondary school, if you've ever been to college or university, there will be one person, one person in this movie that either represents Mm. how you were at that time, or represents how someone you liked were at that time. Um, most likely going to be you at that time. I identified with two people in this film, Ben. I was Senya. Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm, Senya. mm -hmm, And I was mm -hmm. also that one with the eye condition in the sense of not talking to his mother a lot. I was that side of it. Not the eye condition, I was fine. But not not talking openly about stuff, I was that. But I was also Senya of having having more easier getting on with girls and and, and, and that kind of thing. So I've connected with two people in this film. Everybody will connect with at least one. Hopefully not Mouse. Uh, the class I know, poor, I think we all know Mouse. We all know though. Mouse. Like, Mouse is the class clown. Hopefully not the loner person, because that would be very, very sad. But I think we all know one of them as well, really. I Yeah, he really stood out on the second he period. Did, yeah. I don't yeah, I actually forgot, yeah. he, I forgot he, he even got interviewed, because we should mention the interview thing that happens. Yes, yes, go for so it. So basically, we and we were discussing first time, and we don't know second time, perhaps, is the director asking the questions here, Ben? I thought the director was asking the questions. Yeah. yeah. So the director's asking the questions. They, they put all the children, literally all the kids in front of a screen, and they talk about, what do you think about love? What do you think about sex? What do you think about stress? Mm. How's your mental health doing? Uh, and that's the and they, they're interspersed, almost as chapter breaks. I don't know. Uh, as you say, it's a bit more bitty than to be, for it to be say this is a film of chapters. Uh, it's a bit more bittier than that. But um, Super bitty. It, it, it's... Um, but- um, I mean, yeah, those are just really interesting little flashcards for the movie. Um, and they won't always do it with the people that were in the previous scene. They'll skip to some other people, um, yeah. which is which is interesting. My number two takeaway from this film, Ben, yeah. and, 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 it, and it's impossible to do. Only the truly, truly great films are able to pull this off. When you've got so many characters, 
and you really want to focus on certain ones. Like we, here we focus on Senia, Marcia, and one with the black hair called Zana. Sen- wait, oh, the yeah. Trio. The trio, basically. Yeah, 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 we, yeah, yeah. we do spend most of the time with the trio. However, we spend a lot of time with everybody else as well. And it's just when you're at the point of getting sick of the trio, they'll chuck mm. you over to the other trio that is a six or is a nine. Or it's a house party trying to knock the door down and get mouse out. Like whatever yeah. it is, as yeah. soon as you start to become right, uh, they're not really doing anything. They're not advancing yet. Can we move on to somebody else? The film will literally move you on to other people. They'll move yeah. on to the blind guy, and they'll move on to this and to that, and the teachers even. It's like this is this is this is just awesome. Like to have so many mm. people actually give them all space to breathe because you need yeah. to know them all. Because as you say, the final event is what it's all about. Hell, this brought back some horrible memories for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like going to school it, again. It really um, is. This Theo, Ben, listener, this is your life. Mm-hmm, like just mm-hmm. pumping yourself up to go out, playing the music that you want to get pumped up to. Like, yeah, I really, I really love the bit when they go to the playground and they're all they're all hanging around the playground yeah. after a class trip, and then Senya runs over to the the two girls and he goes, "Hello, friends, would you like to play?" And they all laugh. And then he laughs and he's just like, what should we do? I don't know. Why are we here? I don't know. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I've, do- I've, I've done this so many times. It's freaky. It's weird. It feels like you're, it feels like someone has watched your life and has inserted it into a movie. And yet it's still odd. utterly Ukrainian. And, it, and, yes. and the, mu- the music is odd. Like the music is very, very strange. Yeah. But I like that because it sort of fits in with the uncertainty that they're all going through at the moment. It does, it does. I, I do wish that filmmakers would stop harking back to the 80s with their music. I've said this before. Yes, no, it, yeah, the, it seems to be the, the unwritten rule that all, all film-going audiences only know 80s music. Yeah, yeah, but do you know about just getting burnt with fags all the time and just, just everyone smoking everywhere? Um, the 80s wasn't just cool music and neon colours. It, it was brown and ugh, silk cuts ugh, ugh. Yeah. so then then those mm. are the five movies enjoyed by all recommended to all yep now it's time yep. for the results are we going to do the results right now it's already <gasps> okay and i have the results and by a whisker by a whisker the outside center film podcast film of the year 2021 is stop zemria <gasps> no! Wow! Well done, Katarzyna Gonastai. What a first time director. Yes, well, as far as I, I believe so, it maybe she's done shorts well, before or documentary shorts or something. Talk, That's talk about yeah. Things happening in life for a reason. Then, how about yeah. this for a fun fact? If you think uh-huh. back to 2020, film of the year, Bean Pole wasn't a first time director, yes. but the lead character in Bean Pole was called Masha. Oh yeah, and here, 2021 film of the year, Stop Zemlia, lead characters called Masha, and, and we've just gone one country over, and we've gone one country well. over. So basically, <laughs> here are film directors. I know some of you, li- you you listen to us. You know, you make films, great. Put yourself a film title. Yes, make your film title interesting for me. Call mm. your lead character Masha, please. You will then <laughs> <laughs> have have a color scheme have that you would hear to throughout. Yeah, color scheme. Um, you don't have to put a microscope in, into all of our personal lives. Don't need that as much. Stop them. He's done True. that for plenty. But um, yes, if you've got someone called Masha in there, you will win. 
<laughs> it will it happen. It will happen. Anyway, no, no, but seriously, well, well deserved start Zemblia. Yeah. It was your number three. Yeah. It was my number one. Mm. And it, I say by a whisker because in second place would be the blind man who did not want to see Titanic, uh, Ben. Whoa. It was my number three and your number two. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. literally the, the, the minuscule, minuscule difference. Uh, third is all the rest kind of combined, kind of. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, got a vote somewhere, but um, no, yeah. um, terrific stuff. Stop Zemblis film of the year, but that's not where the fun ends, Ben. <laughs> because not only have we had to meet up once every month and review at least four, if not five, sometimes films. Yeah, some of which were particularly bad, particularly on the uh, the Scandinavian special. So we don't and know. the horror special that went on for seventy eight hours. Mm. Not great. We have had a job to do outside of film criticism, though. We had to critique other things. Yeah. You're a smoker. At least yeah. I think this is a reason why you wanted to do smoke ranking. This, no, this is, this is a reason. I, I, I have very strong feelings about smoking in films. I, I don't like it when you're watching a film and like 45 minutes into the movie, we see our character sitting down anxiously having a cigarette for, for the first time in the movie and then stubs it out and then as someone walks in and then sees it. And that's the only time you ever see the character smoke. I, I, I think that's cheat and a lie. <laughs> um, poorly done. So yeah, I've got, I've got feelings about smoking in films. And, and they are, mm. of course, one of the many vices in film. But th- this, is one of, yes. this is a vice that often, often adds texture and colour to a movie. Yes, um, absolutely. And, and that's what you're here for. So we've, we've, promised, we've promised it for a while now, but here we go. And we'll, we'll bring this back next year because I'm super interested in this. And there is so much, <laughs> so much smoking still going on in Europe, Ben. It's unbelievable. Like we, I, I know. think we Britain are cutting down a bit and, and America's cutting yeah. down a bit. But oh, no, not the Europeans. They are smoking like no. chimneys. No. no, not the Asian subcontinent. Not the Asian. Everywhere no. apart from Britain and America, really, are smoking like chimneys right now in their movies. So, they, they sure are. So, top three, um, in reverse order, please, of the top three wait. smoking scenes slash smoking moments, twenty twenty one. What's number three? Well, I've, I've got I've got top five. Can I do top? Can I do top five? five? I'll, I'll be very quick. Top five. So my number five is feathers, and it is the party scene, and it's the room full of grown ups all sitting around smoking cigarettes. Oh, oh yes, for the party. yes, I remember. Yeah. Took took me right back to <laughs> being a being a child and being in a, a room full of adults and smoking being turned into a chicken yeah and watching someone being turned into a chicken but it was just a very evocative of a a particular time and place and i know like feathers is supposed to be now perhaps maybe but it just like doing that, something that simple took me right back number four i've got vera dreams of the sea and i've got uh the moment when the gentleman pops two cigarettes into his mouth lights them both and then hands one to vera oh, yeah. um it was just a divine little moment you don't see very no, often i haven't i haven't done that <laughs> i haven't done that for a long time it used to be a a, a, a common thing light light one for me and you do that but yeah not in covid Excellent. times but just a great moment i've got I've got dual um, two and three. I've got two films together. I've got 50 or two whales who met on the beach and Quo Vardis Ada. Because uh, as much as this list is fun, I think you have to consider the fact that smoking probably will kill you, almost certainly will kill you in the long run. <laughs> and 50, two whales meet on the beach, Quo Vardis Ada are two films which look at smoking from a mortality Absolutely. point of view. So they, they, yeah. they, these are people who are going to die. 
And these are people who are marking their time, their remaining time in cigarettes in a way. And I think both films are kind of doing the the same thing, but in a different way. Felix is is just kind of is just marking his time using cigarettes, and he the gets sent pictures in, of lung cancer and stuff from his mother, doesn't he? And he, he, yes, he does. Yeah, and he just like has fun going through them as well. It, it doesn't mean anything to him. Um, Crovaris Ada, they're they're not they're these are people who don't want to die but they're marking their remaining time left on this planet by smoking cigarettes, which are also very battered and bent and uh, squidged up. You don't see that so much in movies anymore. It's a nice touch. It's nicely done. I love it. You liked that. You liked that film more than I did. I really did. I really did. I thought it was a very, very good smoking film. If anyone wants to go and see a good smoking movie, Quo Vadis Ada. Quo Vadis Ada. for the Oscars in 2021. Yeah, I'm sure that's why they put it through as well. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you know, the smoking scenes are great. Um, but my, my number one, I'm, I'm, I have a feeling you might be able to call this. I, but I, I genuinely thought it was going to be uh, Quo Vadis Ida. Um, oh, but no, okay. but, but okay. I do know where you're going to go with this. Oh, yeah, I'm going for Life of Havana, yeah. the documentary yeah. about the the lady in the up in the the tundra. Um, in it's the, the snow, moment. Yeah. It's the mate. It's the moment when they're just bombing it along in the snow, and she's smoking a fag, and she. <laughs> they, it's a documentary. This is not a fiction film. They go smack into something. She goes flying. And then she comes back over to the snow scooter with her cigarette still. <laughs> Some, somehow, like Buster Keaton holding yes, a, like yes, a glass yes. on a tray and then falling over, doing a forward roll and getting up and having the glass on the tray. She manages to do this. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my top five. Life of Ivana, well done. Well done, Ivana. Here's your award, Life of Ivana. Smoking moment of the year. <laughs> I'm sure that's when he went to film school. That's exactly what he wanted to achieve. <laughs> oh, yeah. More of that next oh, so, year, please, Ben. More of that. Excellent. So, so, so we've got props. We've got props. Top props. And uh, I've only done three, which is even harder. But I could easily have done ten, yeah. obviously, because yeah. a prop is something that isn't an actor or an actress in a movie. Okay. Right. In reverse order, number three. I'm also going to head to fifty or two whales meet on the beach, and of course, mm. it's the hoopla. Then, now, when the hoopla yes. appears in fifty or when two whales meet on the beach. You think, what's she doing the hoopla for? I mean, yeah, you yes. know, it's obviously she's got a nice waist and she's she, throughout the film she gets better at it. But as I said, it has to be about the plot. Ha- these props have to have something to do with the prop after last year's debacle with a flying whale that meant nothing. <laughs> so if this is going to have any sort of importance at all, the prop has to be important to the plot. Mm-hmm. The hoopla, the first time that Elisa does the hoopla in front of Felix, it turns her him on Ben. They sleep straight away afterwards, not uh, once, but twice. Yeah. So we are calling this prop the Happy Times Hoopla. Okay. That has to be one of the prop ra- number three in the prop rankings. It has to be. Anything that can get you laid twice in quick succession is a massive, massive success. Does, doesn't she also does she say to him, would you like to try it? And he just goes... No, because he's, t- he's too busy waiting for the next bit of fun. So, uh, no, he is well and truly hypnotised by the Happy Times hoopla, as I was, mm-hmm. putting together mm-hmm. the rankings for this. Number two, Ben, what else can it be but Pebbles? The yeah. humble Pebble in Pebbles is the eye of the duck of the water of that movie. It's yeah. everything. The Pebbles, basically, that journey's been done many, many times before. And it will happen many, many times again. The pebbles represent yeah. that because he has a whole host of pebbles. What does any of it's, that mean? You'll have to watch pebbles and find out. 
it's not even necessarily him doing the journey no. many times before. The, the film gets a little bit magical. A little bit magical on you. It could, those yeah. pe- but the one thing's for sure, those pebbles represent a journey trodden yes. uh, each and every time. So the pebble prop, absolutely essential for that film. Absolutely essential. But, Ben, we're going to move on to number one here. It's, there's only one thing it can there's be. There's nothing. Uh, this is. There's only. This is the Matryoshka doll. I want to. I, I want to make a joke of some terrible prop from another movie, but I can't. But I can't think of one right when now. When you've got the Matryoshka doll of the film world, yeah. when you've got prop that leads to prop that leads to prop that leads to prop, it can yeah. only be the prop of the year, and it's the outside yeah. toilet from Turkish horror film Dabe the Possession. Oh, I'm, I'm stunned. <laughs> I was not expecting this. Upset. Even though the okay. film was disqualified because of its age, I, I, I yeah, refused yeah, yeah. to disqualify this being prop of the year. Like, that prop, it's just... And, it, and, and it's off camera. Yeah, yeah. First, first of all, you don't really see the outside toilet, but you know it's there because yeah. they're, they're telling you that it's there. But the yeah. gubbins that comes out of that outside toilet just continues, yeah. like a Matryoshka doll, more and more and when you think there's one oh there's another doll there's another strand of hair there's another bone mm. there's another piece of fish guts and it, he lays it all out and that entire collection of props all comes from one place which is the outside toilet in the Turkish horror film Dabe the Possession well done Dabe the Possession <laughs> come, come get I'm your sure, award you know, when, he, when he did other, all the other Dabe films that's the thing that will get remembered by the outside toilet. Oh yeah, whatever else happens in the Dabe series going forward. Wow, I got I got to say, super upset not seeing the phone from the blind man who did not want to see Titanic making know, it through the, I know. the top three. I, I know it's a shocker, isn't it? But yeah. um, the outside toilet. Yeah. Outside, outside center film podcast. Outside, outside toilet, to- which is where we probably belong actually. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that is all the fun and games done for 2021. Stop Zemlia. Life of Ivana and Dabe the Possession have all won something. <laughs> wow. What a, what a collection. Oh, <laughs> truly, truly outstanding. But that's it. So uh, all that's left for us to say is have a very happy new year. Let's hope for both of our sakes, Ben, that 2022 is a smidgen better. It, it, I, I want to say it can only be, but maybe I'm asking I mean, myself yeah, no, for trouble let's there. Not, let's <laughs> not even go there. Who actually knows? No, no, no. But no. we will hope for the best. Uh, and we would normally take January off, and I would bid you adieu until February. But me and Ben have fully booked ourselves, and we will be back in January to do a whole host of movies. Um, so many, so many. So many. Films. <laughs> uh, all of them are going to be films that didn't make even in the semi-final stage of the Foreign Language Oscars 2022. We've got at least four, potentially five of those to do. Um, so you're going to have to come back this time-ish at the end of January to hear us talk about these movies just for your ear holes. And we love doing it, and we will be back. And thank you for listening to us throughout the year. It's been shit for everybody. We know that. Um, So thank you for staying with us. And as I say, me and Ben will be back. So until then, Happy New Year.